0: Hello and welcome to the New North podcast, where we investigate the sounds and perspectives of exploratory musicians. New North is a new platform for musicians who push boundaries in their area of practice. This podcast is a companion to our concert series, which celebrates the amazing work of musicians and sound artists, both established and emerging, who make and present work on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. My name is Joe O'Connor and I'm a member of New North's Artistic Committee along with Andy Butler and Callum Gaffray. We are good friends, and New North is the culmination of discussions that began over two years ago about the types of performances and opportunities we would love to see more of in the creative hub of Melbourne's Inner North. Our motivations for starting the series were also partly selfish, since we're all performers and composers with practices that might be described as exploratory. You can find more information about New North's concerts and initiatives through our website, newnorthmusic.online You can also find links to recordings from previous concerts which are beautifully captured by our resident sound engineer Theo Carbo There's also information about our Emerging artists Commission which is currently open to artists aged 24 and younger You can like New North on Facebook and follow us at new underscore north underscore music on Instagram for regular updates about our activities including our upcoming concert monochrome which is at Brunswick Mechanics Institute on August 5th. My first guest is Calum Gouffre, who is an incredible trumpet player and one of only a few specialists worldwide developing new music for the double bell trumpet. Cal is also on the New North Artistic Committee, so it's uh, a nice change to talk to him as an artist rather than as a fellow administrator and producer of the concert series. Cal premiered a new collaboration with the amazing artist James Rushford at New North's first concert, Ghost Lights, which was on May 20th. And is joining me today to talk about this fascinating piece, which was beautifully captured by our resident sound engineer, Theo Carbo. And um, the sounds that you heard at the beginning of the podcast today was a short excerpt from this piece. So as you can hear, it's quite a um, a focused and particular sound world. And something that I'd I'd like to talk to Kel about is actually how he's arrived at this point, um, making this what is really very unusual music. Um, So let's welcome Kel to the podcast. Thanks very much. Uh, great to be um, talking to you. Yeah. You in um, in your home studio. Yes. In, the, in this little um, we're in a little cave, a little of, practice um, cubby. Yeah, and it's uh, uh, we're surrounded by sound insulation, which is nice. It, it <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like being in a, a in a cave of blankets. Um, so you've had such a, um, a varied career over the last um, ten years since I've known you. Um, I've seen you performing new classical music. Um, more kind of traditional classical music, orchestral music, jazz, um, experimental improvisation. And, um, you know, I'm always interested to hear how musicians have progressed to a point where they're doing this, you know, highly specialised work. Um, Would you like to talk a little bit about, you know, how you've gone from maybe what you were doing, um, say, early early in your career to what you're
1: doing now? Sure, yeah. I guess uh, a lot of it came down to... A lot of relationships with teachers and and friends that kind of pushed me in different directions and introduced me to new things to listen to I suppose going back you know I was at the WA Academy Performing Arts studying jazz then I my I didn't have all that much interest in in classical music until I started going and seeing the orchestra there and started getting lessons with the um, with the Principal Trumpet, Dave Elton through him I met Tristram Williams who then opened up this whole world of contemporary repertoire and Tristram as well it was just an unbelievable performer who kind of put him put his body on the line <laughs> in every performance it seemed and I, I found something about that so electric and I, I wanted to kind of be a part of that kind of repertoire and yeah he he sort of presented a really interesting model of someone working in the classical realm but really exploratory in terms of their instrument and listening. And so that kind of formed my attitude that I took, uh, that I that I think still kind of guides me to this day. So through that, you know, being more open to, um, you know, free improvisation, which was, I think, came out of my jazz sort of background as well. So these things started to collide. I think that's really what has kept me going over the years. And yeah, like I said, that's enabled me to meet all sorts of different people and um, has kind of led me towards other I think open minded musicians well that's how we met I s- exactly I suppose. Yeah. yeah
0: yeah and I suppose um, you know having started out as a jazz player and, and gotten into this um, more exploratory sort of trumpet player I think I think the things that they have in common is like a real kind of um, physical commitment at, mm. at the moment as well you know and, and yep. a real commitment to, to every detail of the sound and making everything that
1: comes out of the instrument really expressive and yeah yeah which I guess is um intuitively something that led me toward the um double bell trumpet in that it's such a colorful instrument and you know these regular you can you can be extremely colorful on a regular trumpet uh, for sure but um was something about a whole repertoire of um techniques that were opened up uh in combination with some of the maybe unorthodox techniques i've i've been developing over the years um yeah it's a it's a very sort of visceral kind of experience listening to that instrument um it's constantly kind of misleading you and uh yeah that's that instrument has enabled me to do a lot of interesting collaborations including this one with James mm. and and there's certainly uh you know as an audience
0: member who doesn't know the capabilities of that instrument quite so well um, there's um, there's definitely a
1: mystery about how things are mm. being achieved and um, yeah uh, it's a bit like a magic trick that <laughs> instrument yeah. the whole time it's, yeah. it's ridiculous but it yeah it can be a lot of fun you know,
0: It's funny after each performance seeing people like checking it out and you know yeah, kind of yeah. trying to work out what's going on it's um yeah yeah it it is su- super interesting and um you know and and I think also you've been quite deliberate about um. About finding composers and collaborators who are able to kind of embrace that as well, you know. So, mm. um, I know one of your pro- projects over the last few years has been um, contributing to the development of a repertoire for that instrument. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, I'm actually hoping you can tell me a little bit about uh, some of the works that you've commissioned and developed with people um, in addition to the performance that, that you present presented at New North.
1: Yeah. Well, that yeah, that instrument has really led me toward some interesting collaborations. Uh, I'd say the the first real notable one would be with the Irish composer Anne Clear. So she wrote this brilliant piece for six-channel electronics uh, with four of those uh, speaker channels coming through these custom-made trombone bell speakers, which was a lot of fun and energy developing. Um, And that piece also had video and had a kind of theatrical element for the solo performer, um, and yeah, that was one of those one of those first pieces I really threw myself into in a major way, you know, months of preparation and hmm. an exhausting piece to play, but the developments that come through, uh, the developments in, in my playing that have come through practicing that piece have been really significant. And some others, I guess, uh, a, a piece that's quite dear to me is a totally acoustic piece um, by... Uh, Alice Humphreys, an old friend from Perth. So she wrote a beautiful solo piece, kind of a marathon of a piece to play, but um, really beautiful uh, harmonic language. And then more recently, uh, Anthony Pateris wrote a piece about a year ago, uh, May 2020, um, called Palimpsest Geometry, which is a really stunning piece for quadraphonic uh, tape and soloist and um that's actually going to be released a little bit later this year we did it we've done a recording of that but that's these incredible kind of embedding the solo performer amongst these uh swells coming from each of the speakers um these like staccato double tongue uh, swells so it's a really kind of intoxicating um sound a sonic environment to be in Mm. and then Currently working on a piece, uh, trying to extend my performance uh, into a more kind of installation format, working with Olivia Davies, a Perth-based composer, um, on a new six-hour performance installation involving computer programming. We're working with Nick Roo, this a brilliant programmer, um, to look at the input from the trumpet, convert that into data that affects how photographic images are projected um, and, and laid over each other, Um, in these projections in all sorts of different ways. So trying to, yeah. uh, What's the opposite of sonifying or visualizing? Visualizing, sure. (laughs) So trying to visualize uh, sonic data and apply that to this um, photographic practice that Olivia also has.
0: Mm, Yeah, very cool. Um, I suppose, uh, you know, I've seen a couple of these works performed, and, and they're amazing pieces, you know, um, mm. uh, the, the Pateris and the and Clear piece, both so different um, in terms of the type of energy that that, um, that they create. Certainly. But, you know, I saw both of them at, at Cal's recent recital at Melbourne Recital Centre, which was also called Palimpsest Geometry, after the Pateras piece. Um, I suppose all of these works, then, are uh, really kind of sitting in that space where they're, they're very prepared, very conceived in advance and um, I imagine quite notated. I mean, I haven't seen the mm. scores for these, but...
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, Anne Clear's piece, for example, yeah, very a, a lot of very specific notation and these techniques are really sort of written out on the page. But, um, you know, it does require a lot of flexibility and, um, you know, it, and I think quite a lot of expression as well. There's always that trap um, of over-notating and... Being really obsessed with how something looks on the page that can kind of uh, I think take away from the spontaneity or the the sort of um, individual input of the performer. Mm. Um, and then you know a piece like Anthony's uh, that was a pitch set that I could then sort of interpret in different ways. I could pick certain um, sequences of notes and um, also the the sort of the, the uh, crescendo decrescendo envelope of it. Um, I could I had some freedom with that. So I think that's kind of where I like working. People who mm. have very, very detailed ideas, but um, allow for some flexibility and individuality to come through.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um, based on, on what I heard of your piece with James, that um, the, the, uh, you would have heard a little fragment of it at the start of the, the podcast. Um, it sounds to me like that one... Um, has a little bit of structure to it, but it's probably leaning a little mm-hmm. bit further towards the improvised side. Would that be? Would yeah, that
1: be I think so. Yeah, the, I think the the structure of it was, I think, quite simple and quite clear. But moment to moment, we were trying to add ornamentation, um, kind of sonic ornamentation, and constantly changing the color of of uh, you know whatever we were playing. So just to quickly. Um, cover the the structure of it. There was one melody that we repeated, I think, three or four times. Um, and then we had a section where we went low, high, low, high. Then we did it all again, but with much more ornamentation. And his practice on the portative organ is just incredible in that he he's turned it into a, something like a wind instrument with as much uh, variety of articulation and, and colourful changes yeah yeah, it is amazing and um, you know I, I love that instrument so oh, much yeah. um,
0: and um, I thought though actually you know I'm, su- I'm sure uh, some of the, the listeners will be aware of, of what that instrument is and has, has seen James perform on that before but mm-hmm. it's it's a you know, a rare and unusual instrument. And so yeah. um, for for anyone who's listening and they don't know what a, a portative organ or an organetto is, it's um, a, essentially a pipe organ that sits on your lap. So there's a, a little keyboard that you play with one hand um, and, um, yeah, and like a pipe organ, these little pipes that are kind of raising up into the air. So, and, and then the other hand plays a bellow, which essentially just, you know, pumps air through the instrument. So mm. um, there is this, you know, beautiful wind power sort of resonance, but also a kind of nuance to the attack as the airspeed begins to activate
1: the um i think i think to really perform that instrument um really well is having that range of techniques with the left hand um controlling the bellow Mm. um and then uh yeah there's all sorts of tuning kind of changes you can you can do to each individual pipe Mm. but that's something james is kind of Develops is himself. It, yeah, I, think, I think he rolls definitely. up paper or yeah, cardboard yeah. or
0: something, and and is able to slightly uh, alter the the length of those pipes. So yeah, mm. yeah.
1: And similarly, he's um, doing a lot of like modulation using the breath. So breathing uh, straight into the pipe, mm. so kind of disturbing that that airflow that is normally going through. I think that's a really really interesting technique. Mm. That um, yeah, I like that kind of uh, analog. Modulation, essentially, he's mm. he's treating that instrument like a
0: synthesizer for sure. Mm. Um, and you know, it's certainly it's already an, in- in- an instrument which I think sounds very intimate, but then becomes even more kind of intimate and connected to the body mm. through through these sort of processes. Um, yeah. And and for me, you know, one of the really interesting things about listening back to your performance is, you know, at times you could be fooled into thinking that the organ is actually a trumpet, or that, yeah, um, yeah. you know, there's um, such different instruments in a way, but also um, there's a, a real kind of blending of, of those um, those sounds. You yeah, know. It's yeah, very unified yeah. at the same time.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you know, I've, I've I had mutes. I think in both uh, bells of the double bell trumpet, and yeah, just constantly overlapping the timbres, um, and you know, using some panning techniques to sort of have it constantly morphing and bulging and receding, and um, yeah, it has this kind of uh, yeah genuinely organic kind of
0: quality to it hmm yeah and um you know i think those panning techniques actually do come across really nicely in the recording mm. as well i was going to ask about that because it it has been such a trend in um in experimental music and new composition um in recent years to have some kind of spatial setup you know mm. um using like you said with the anclair using multiple speakers and again the Pateras had a, a kind of a, um quadraphonic. a quadraphonic yeah, yeah, yeah um and um and, you know, I see it all the time and it's it's a very cool effect. But, um, you know, what yeah. what do you think that um, brings to the performance? You know, what, what, is, what makes you interested in that effect?
1: I guess uh, a, f- a few different things. Um, I think it's a way of engaging with the listener in a different way where they are made conscious of the, the space that they're sitting in. Um, I think it kind of brings the... Yeah, the space alive. And it also, I think, kind of treats the speaker like it's an instrument, um, which then, yeah, like at, at times I've I've pondered this as well, like uh, connecting the, the trumpet and I've done some experiments um, with some pieces of really making the instrument being not just the trumpet I'm holding in my hands, but I'm controlling the whole space as an instrument. Um, meta instrument is the term that gets thrown meta, around. Meta yes. instrument. The meta instrument. But for people who aren't
0: you know, <laughs> in the arts world, yeah. they're used to the, the type of language that um, they um, have I to mean, write in an arts application. Yeah, and exactly. Stuff. Exactly.
1: Um, it's a big instrument. <laughs> <laughs> or it's an instrument that, you know it's beyond the instrument or beyond be,
0: beyond the limitations of a normal yeah, exactly. instrument.
1: Which something. I think is a really nice idea. It's it's like the the hardware, the the uh, analog instrument, um, the space, being able to connect these all in a really interesting way and, yeah, control that space. Mm. And uh, and certainly, like, that um, impulse
0: to want to expand and, and to kind mm-hmm. of rethink what your instrument is is something that, you know, I'm sort of beginning to um, kind of look into myself, I suppose, yep. as a pianist, which is an instrument yeah. with a beautiful history of solo performance particularly, but... Um, but which is also so limiting you know yeah, um, yeah if you yeah. if you don't do um anything to the sound you know every every note because it's so mechanical is is also um uh almost lacking in personality you know? um, yeah 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 oh, i shouldn't say that about the piano there's pl- <laughs> plenty of personality in a piano i suppose but but yeah, um yeah. you know but from a, a purely sonic point of view can be very limiting and and um you know and i suppose that it's very
1: localized as well you know you, yeah, can, you can project yeah. to a certain yeah. amount but you don't have a lot of control over it you know it's
0: it's v- it's very um the the sound pr- i suppose it, it moves in a way that's very diffused and and mm. yeah, and quite non directional which um which can yeah. be cool but um yeah but yep. i suppose with trumpet you can really kind of d- you can know, be much that. more concentrated with it yeah yeah so the the spatial element of the work is it's not the only electronic manipulation of sound that was going on in your piece with James either yeah is it?
1: yeah exactly we we wanted to have just this these kind of light um, uh, contributions from different types of electronics I don't normally work with pedals and effects this kind of thing I'm I suppose more interested in um, spatialization and an amplification But for this, I was using a delay pedal on one of the bells. Um, And I'd I'd sort of bring that in occasionally using a delay... uh, Sorry, a volume pedal. And James was using uh, a little synth called a Tetrax, which just contributed these interesting kind of panned uh, synthesized sounds. Um, It's it's very cute, actually. Yeah, yeah. Nice, It looks like a toy. It's got little colors on it and stuff. So, yeah, we will we just kind of introduce that um, more in the sort of second part of the piece where we did more ornamentation and uh, more variation um, of the sort of pre-planned material. So, again, it was just an effort to, I suppose, muddy the waters of, you know, what sound was coming from where, what it was blending into, constant sort of overlapping of sounds and, yeah, creating more and more colour and richness um, to the overall sonic environment Mm. yeah I think that comes across really well and I
0: quite Mm. enjoyed actually the um, the little sort of um, moments of of synth kind of
1: peeking out of this very acoustic yeah um, and then you've got this instrument that's like you know a medieval kind of (laughs) instrument with (laughs) a tetrax I love that and yeah um, yeah I think it's just about putting these things together um, seeing what acoustic combinations you can make and then then all the combinations with the uh, analog kind of electronics as well
0: Mm. Yeah. So uh, when we're um, still on the topic of of the particular piece that you're playing Mm -hmm. I suppose one thing I'd like you to to think about, you know we're talking about all of these kind of very, um, the types of concerns that you go into very deeply when you're creating work um, which are, you know, they're super detailed and we're thinking about um, all of this stuff that we find interesting but um, of course, we don't hear our work in the same way that an audience hears our work, where mm-hmm. they're coming to it fresh without the same sort of you know, conceptual investment, I suppose. Yeah. And um, and so I was hoping that for a moment you could imagine that you're having a, a kind of out-of-body experience and that you're yeah. sitting in Brunswick Mechanics Institute. And, um, and I'd like you to... Um, it might be impossible to do, but I'd like mm. you to try to describe how you think you would experience your your piece if you were hearing it for the very first time sure
1: okay i'm closing my eyes <laughs> <laughs> um yeah that's always this is always hard this is always very difficult i guess the thing that would probably strike me first is the really not being able to tell what technique on the instrument is is producing that sound and also which instrument it is coming from. And, um, ideally I'd be sort of reveling in that experience, but also the spatialization, I think that sort of, you know, making my ears feel kind of lopsided as well is, is always, um, an interesting thing, but yeah, the swarms of, of, uh, colors coming from both of these instruments um i think would be pretty interesting mm, it's yeah really
0: difficult. it's funny that i i love that kind of ambiguity in a piece of music it's something i yeah. look for you know and yeah in which i really treasure actually you know I, I suppose the more music you listen to the harder it is to actually find those moments of um of surprise and yeah. you know and uncomprehension, um, yeah, 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 yeah. So I I love that experience and I I do wonder though sometimes you know, um, if that's necessarily a common thing. You know, I think a lot of people don't mm-hmm. necessarily want to be surprised. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, it can be unsettling to sort of uh, have a real disconnect between the visual and and the oral and um, yeah, that has a kind of physical. It, it becomes physically un- unsettling, but. Mm. Mm. as we always do we always try and (laughs) press in on that that impulse and um that feeling and
0: look i suppose you know if we kind of zoom out from this work um sort of celebrating those experiences is is at least for me something that that um this whole concert series is about you know actually trying to present work that that you know might be in some ways challenging but in a way that is um is perhaps a, a little bit more welcoming and accessible than something yeah, yeah.
1: sometimes it is, you know. I think we're trying to create an environment where it can get challenging, but mm. um, w- within that it can be challenging. But overall the experience of turning up to these concerts is one of, you know, fascination or e- true exploration. Yeah. Mm.
0: Yeah, hopefully. You know, and so so I did touch at the start on the fact that New North is something that we've been developing together over really mm. almost two years now. I yeah. suppose, since since the very first um, idea started, and um, uh, at times a, a, a challenging experience, oh, and yeah. at times a funny experience. But um, yeah, you know, yeah. I wish we could share some of the um, the names we we f- <laughs> we <laughs> threw around when we were trying to come up with a name for the concert series. So there, yeah, some, there were some great ones. Um, core is one that really, <laughs> really acoustic crash I, <laughs> s- I <laughs> still think That's it should right. be called acoustic Um There's there's still time, you know. Maybe one of our concerts. Um, I'm going to steal acoustic Crash. Acoustic creation. Yeah. Maybe maybe we all will. Maybe we'll all have <laughs> works called acoustic creation <laughs> after <laughs> a few years. But um, but I, I was wondering if you'd like to you know maybe reflect a little bit on um, you know what we're trying to achieve and. Um, yeah,
1: I I was explaining uh, it to someone recently where. It feels like we've all had really interesting uh, like paths through you know, being musicians and um, with plenty of detours. And I guess maybe something happens around this age where you start to go, okay, what, what do I want to create for other people? Um, what kind of context do I want to create for my own works as well? And um, I think it was kind of born out of that, is seeing what some other concert series, is, uh, series were uh enabling for other people Mm. and wanting to be a part of that That, i I, that's a big motivator for me yeah and also yeah trying your hand at at that organizational thing which is has a lot of challenges but i think we as artists we are very resourceful and resilient and um creative essentially that you've got to apply all of that to engaging with venues artists all the technical elements um yeah, so it's it's been a nice challenge and getting another part of the brain mm. going, but some yeah. overlaps for sure.
0: And I think even you know, as, as people who've previously performed at many venues and and um, festivals, maybe not as many festivals as I would have liked, <laughs> <you> <laughs> know, um, it does actually give you an insight though into all the work that the people around you have been doing as well that you might not have been aware yeah. of as well. Which yeah. is, it's um, a it's a big ecosystem and for sure, yeah, yeah. and so much goes on that you know, as a punter you walk in the door and see you know, like an amazing show and um and you just think, Oh how cool is that but yeah. but, but you don't see like the, you know, uh, one and a half years, years, years of so. <laughs> <laughs> that's it you know, meetings and emails and yeah. you know um, full days in lockdown in bed just like yeah. working on google documents and stuff like that yeah um, and you know we're, we're, were funny f- times
1: we're friends as well doing this you know and that's that's a pretty special thing to create something with your friends mm. um we've done that musically but doing it in this other realm is yeah you know, super satisfying mm. and and i'm curious what do you
0: have coming up and what are you working on currently
1: yeah um so later this year i've got a couple of projects happening in my hometown in perth which is kind of nice a nice freemantle right Fremantle. i, I remember meeting
0: carl in about 2012 and, <laughs> and i'd say oh you know if he, people are asking me if he's from perth and he'd be like no no Fremantle." <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh that's so bad <laughs> <laughs> but you know it is beautiful down there is, and yeah. i do i understand it's it, a different yeah. place I like to think it's a wild vibe. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, yeah. Um, One piece in the Fremantle Biennale. I'm working with um, some incredible Noongar artists, uh, Clint Bracknell and Trevor Ryan, developing a um, a new dance, music, song songwriting, experimental brass thing. I'm 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 writing music for twenty brass musicians from the WA Youth Jazz Orchestra um, to sort of accompany a a bunch of performers, singers and dancers in an outdoor processional uh, down in East Fremantle Yeah, so that's that's kind of an eye-opening process for me and I think will be a really interesting fun project um, as we sort of move along with it and yeah, also in Perth later this year I'm doing this performance installation I mentioned with Olivia Davies um so yeah we'll have a series a a season of three performances um at the at an art gallery so that'll be a really new experience for me sort of being installed as the not the artwork but I'm installed for six hours performing so that's part of my PhD process um, Mm. project as well is um yeah, these kinds of new formats of playing and how they affect the body and, um, yeah, these very, very long gestures, I suppose. Apart from that, um, just bits just and pieces. Chewing out, just chilling out. Just <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> completely relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to write, yeah.
0: Cool. Well, you know, I hope all of these things go really well and yeah. um, uh, and I also look forward to hearing you play in the next New North concert, which is on yeah. August 5th. Not, not as a... Um, um, so much in your own project this time yeah. but with the phonetic orchestra which yeah uh, yeah
1: I think uh, this will be a brilliant set um, having musicians from Berlin and Melbourne playing together yeah, yeah you're
0: using, um, using uh, like a low latency software yeah, so, using so, so that we accurate. can have this sort of um,
1: I suppose it's like intercontinental sort yeah, of live performance interaction, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And Phonetic is a, a pro, you know, an ensemble project that's very dear to me and we've explored different modes of performing. So yeah, this is exciting to get the group back together after a bit of silence. It was mm. about a year ago that we did a twenty four hour live stream using this technology to link up people in Melbourne, Perth and Berlin. So mm. Which is beautiful by the way. And and yeah. you can
0: hear a snippet of that on YouTube called Silent Towns, Nordic yeah. Orchestra Silent Towns, um, with some lovely visuals as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, oh, that was an incredible project. Yeah. Mm.
0: Well, thanks, Carl. Thanks, thanks Joe. And um, you know, I look forward to sharing this with um, whoever wants to listen. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed my chat with Carl Grefre and I encourage you to visit newnorthmusic.online to listen to the full recording of his performance with James Rushford, And don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram, new underscore north underscore music. I will leave you with the last few minutes of Carol and James' performance, and I'd recommend using headphones to appreciate the full effect of the panning that we talked about in the interview. Please join me next time for a, a conversation with Nick Ashwood and Lily Tate about their beautiful performance at ghost lights.